1: Jenna Ellis, and welcome to another episode of Just the Truth podcast, now sponsored by the Thomas More Society. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. They are a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. So today we are talking about the truth of psychology. And for this very important conversation, my special guest is Valerie Ellis, who, of course, uh, the last name Ellis, you might guess, uh, she is related to me. She is my mom. So mom, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. Well you thanks for having me. It's it's so great uh, that you get to come and join me for this conversation because you are first and foremost my best friend. And you also, obviously, in addition to being my mom, um, have been my mentor, my counselor, and um, someone who I go to for advice. And uh, you are a biblical counselor as your uh, ministry and profession. And um, you have a bachelor's degree in theology from Liberty University and your master's from Uh, The Masters University, now out in California, in biblical counseling and are Mm -hmm. certified through the International Association of Biblical Counselors. Yes. Yes. So um, so this is a really important topic for people to understand the difference between psychology and biblical counseling. So for someone who is approaching this, um, really having no idea the difference between the two, explain um, the fundamental starting point of, of psychology versus biblical counseling. Sure.
2: So as every human being knows people have difficulties. We have problems. We have relational problems, marital problems, familial problems, problems getting along with people, just personal um, within ourselves, um, fears and torments, anxieties, depression, all, all of that. The question to ask ourselves is why do people have those types of problems? And the science of psychology, soft science of psychology answers that question differently from a biblical counselor from the Christian worldview. Hmm. So a, the science of psychology answers it that those types of difficulties that all human beings have come from something outside of himself for the most part. The family of origin, my environment, my experiences, what people have done to me, how people have hurt me or failed me, or I've become a victim of something. Um, That is why I have emotional difficulties like anxiety or depression or um, can't get along with people, anger, problems, whatever. So they start with that premise. It's something outside of myself that has done this to me. There's a lot of theories within the movers and shakers of in early psychological theory where, um, you know, man was born innocent, nothing wrong, a blank slate. And then my life experiences have written on that and caused me to behave and think and have the difficulties that I do. That is completely different from a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview starts with man has inherited a sin nature from Adam. And because of that sin nature, we have these difficulties. We have now a wicked heart. We are totally depraved human beings. And we started out that way. It wasn't what somebody has done to us. We, within ourselves, start with having a sin nature. And it's Yes, things. This world is difficult to live in, and we have difficulties that other people, um, you know, bring to us. But it's our response to those difficulties because of our own sin nature that caused those problems. So we start with looking within ourselves and see um, how is our sin nature responding to a difficulty that's causing that difficulty.
1: Hmm. So it sounds like it's it's the difference between personal responsibility and looking at our own response versus how you described the victim mentality of saying, um, I'm perfect in and of myself. It's just what my environment and everything around me is doing to me.
2: Yes. And that's the different, when a counselee comes in, they typically, they have that mindset because that's so pervasive in our culture that this is what, um, has happened to me or even an idea that, um, the, emotional problems that we have are organic to my physical body. Like depression is caused by a brain imbalance or something like that, rather than faulty ways of thinking that are not taught to us in scripture. So a biblical counselor believes in what's called the sufficiency of scripture. And that means scripture has everything we need for life and godliness. Scripture teaches us life, which is how to be saved, and godliness, which is how to live a life that pleases God. And um, that doesn't mean that if you're a Christian, you'll never be sad, you'll never be angry, you'll never have a difficult problem in your marriage or anything else, but the Bible has the answers for that, rather than um, just talking about it all the time, which is a Rogerian um, psychological view, just talking it out with somebody might help you and you come to the answers within or, you know, all
1: these theories or out self-affirmation there. Self-affirmation and yeah. some of those things. Yeah.
2: These things, it's like, what does scripture say? How does a principle of scripture or a specific doctrine of scripture or specific command of scripture apply to me in this situation to teach me to navigate this in a way that pleases God? And it will ultimately end in Peace, because mm-hmm. the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So the Bible has the answers. That's a difference between a biblical counselor and psychological theory. There is what is called Christian counseling, mm-hmm. which is a integrated um, science of psychological theory with Scripture. And so they... As a Christian, you would go to a university, you would get a degree in psychology, which would be secular, atheist theories, and then you you integrate scripture and principles from scripture into those theories, and a biblical counselor, a true biblical counselor will not even go there.
1: Because they're mutually exclusive, right? Because if you start with a principle of saying um, that man, or from atheism, or from any other type of worldview that doesn't um, understand and recognize truth that we are as human beings created in the image of God and the truth of scripture. And it's it's inconsistent with um, the truth of the reality to the world, which God's presented us and that scripture also reveals uh, truth and who God is and that we as um, human beings, in order to live rightly, we have to discover more about the truth of God. then basically it's trying to integrate two things that are fundamentally two different views of what truth explains.
2: Absolutely. So that's why a, biblical, a true biblical counselor will say that you can't do that. Just adding a Bible verse to the top of an entire body of knowledge does make that does not make that body of knowledge turn Christian. into truth.
1: Right, right. And that's what a lot of people, so, I mean, so on this podcast, we also talk so much about um, analyzing political viewpoints, for example, in political philosophy um, from a Christian worldview and try to explain how we have to start first with truth as the foundation and then work up and analyze political issues through the lens of and the foundation of the biblical worldview. And so um, so in terms of how we understand um, life advice and counseling as a whole um, philosophy and a whole um, a whole body of, as you described it, soft science. We have to start with truth and then work up from there, not start with, um, the secular worldview, and then say, well, but we're just going to then slap a, a label of Christian because we also believe in God and try to integrate. It. And that's why I think a lot of people, um, especially for the Christians who are listening to this discussion, um, misunderstand or don't fully understand where Christian psychology is coming from and how it really is so inconsistent. So um, what's an example maybe of how um, some Christian psychologists would try to integrate this and it's actually inconsistent?
2: Well, for example, there's so many people who believe that they behave the way that they do because they're an adult child of an alcoholic. Okay. My parents did this to me. And while every single person who's ever existed does not have perfect parents, except for Adam and Eve, um, they may have been the biggest obstacle in our life to, um, learning how to be, how to navigate the world's problems, but we can, Why? Because we are made in the image of God. If we're made in the image of God, we have a um, soul and a spirit that can be um, transformed by salvation and then the Holy Spirit doing his sanctifying work in us. That also implies we make real choices. Human beings Mm -hmm. make real choices for themselves. And just because my father or mother did something a certain way i can as a child of god and a human being made in the image of god make a different choice than they made so i can learn from their bad example Mm -hmm. but i they haven't um, set the pattern for me that i have to follow in Mm -hmm. like that's not a that's not a um, that's a psychological theory you will do such and such you are this way you will become this way because of this they'll say things like your entire personality is set by the age of five. That's a right. psychological theory. and But Christianity teaches the sanctifying work, again, of, of the Lord, so that we continue our entire lives, even when we're in our 80s or 90s, we can mm-hmm. still be changing. We can still learn and grow. Mm-hmm. That's the privilege of a human being.
1: Right. And we can and you never see in Scripture where Jesus says, well, you know, be saved Um, But you're going to also live with the sin of your parents and you're going to you know, you can be saved, but you can't live rightly um, because you have certain intrinsic characteristics that you just can't overcome. I mean, you never see that in Scripture. Right. And
2: I I give a seminar four times a year and I go through the history of uh, philosophy and psychological theory and how how those theories have come into the church. And there's a woman who gives her testimony at those seminars for me um, she had been systematically sexually abused her entire life as a child and then she came to the lord in her teen years and she ended up going to a pastor and telling him what's going on and then that pastor sent her to a psychologist Mm -hmm. that started her on the road of 30 years of psychological counseling the best they could do she was on so many drugs and a cocktail of drugs for depression and anxiety. And they told her, you're wounded. You are a wounded soul. And the best you can do is to hop along through life and, you know, with these drugs to numb you out basically you know this is the best you can do
1: and isn't that so depressing it's so terrible it's
2: hopelessness I know she when she came to see me she thought she moved up to our area she thought I was going to be her next psychologist she got my name she thought I was a psychologist and I looked at her I'm I'm not a psychologist but you know I'm a biblical counselor And she just looked at me she goes well what are you going to tell me that no one else has told me and she was very angry you could tell and I said I don't know what they've told you but Let's I'm get gonna going. Tell you and I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And she was in counseling, biblical counseling for nine months. And she was totally set free from all that. When she came in, she would lay on the couch. She would tell me at home, she would be laying on the couch, just mm-hmm. drooling out her mouth because she was so numbed out from her drugs. Nine months, she was in biblical counseling. She was a good counselee because she did all her homework and she took the truths of God's word to heart. She was set free from all that. To this right now, she is an active member in our church. She's off all of her drugs. She is in training herself to be a biblical counselor, and her family stayed together because they were on the verge of divorce. So I've seen people set free by God's truth.
1: That's great. I'm crying because I know, like, I know her personally too, and she's an amazing woman. And, you know, this is something where. Um, Mom, I've seen how much you have helped people in their lives and to, you know, I mean, this woman, she would have spent the rest of her life on these drugs that are completely unnecessary and just um, try to numb the feelings and the emotions rather Mm -hmm. than reveal the bad way that you're thinking. And so, you know, emotion, as you've told me so many times, emotion just evidences what we're thinking about truth. And what we're thinking about um, a, a certain topic or a life experience or whatever, and we have to then ask that question: um, Is what you're thinking about this true? And even yes. if your emotions aren't lined up with that yet, you have to then start thinking truthfully, and then your emotions fall in line. And so, you know, and so for the people who are saying, "Well, wait a minute," you know, um, their drugs are necessary, and um, you know, antidepressants are necessary. And, I mean, and obviously. Um, You know, disclaimer, of course, when you have something that is a physical ailment, I mean, of course, you go to the hospital, you get antibiotics, you get some of those things that are that are physical um, in nature. But but so much of psychology is um, is giving drugs that are just masking your feelings instead of reorienting your mind to truth.
2: Yes. So I'm not a medical um, professional, obviously. So I would never tell somebody not to take those drugs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, I think that even most people who don't question those drugs at all, they could at least admit that they're overprescribed. Yeah. So I'll tell somebody who comes in for biblical counseling, they've already been ha- had a diagnosis, I'm bipolar, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, whatever. I'll say, let's um, get your life strong in the Lord let's get you walking with him and applying his principles to your situation and then we'll see where you're at Mm -hmm. emotionally you know just let's okay fine keep you know keep doing that but let's let's get your spiritual life going strong and I've never had anybody who left biblical counseling still on those drugs, unless they just said, I don't want to do this because it's more difficult. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you an example. There's a lady that came a couple of years ago. Um, She had been to many psychologists already because she had such debilitating anxiety that her world had been reduced to within a five mile radius of her home. Wow. That's all she could go. She couldn't go anywhere else. She was scared of everything. And what brought her to the emergency, I need to really solve this problem, is because her son was graduating from college in another state. And she said, I have to be there. Like, I have to get to Arizona by May. She came to me in October. Wow. And she said, the psychologist had that she had gone to had her do these tricks where you close your eyes and she says okay you're a tree and your your what? roots are going down deep in the soil and you know just talk her through all this visualization <laughs> stuff and okay and then she and this lady that came she goes, I knew I wasn't a tree so I couldn't trick myself into believing that so that all didn't work um and I just looked at her and I said, you will be in Arizona by May if wow. you do what God wants you to do wow. and guess what? She was in Arizona in May, and she also gives her testimony at my seminar. And she says, "I," am, she is so set free from anxiety. Her husband can't afford everywhere she wants to go now. <laughs> and she's going, he's saying, we can't go everywhere we can go because she hadn't been anywhere for 10 years. Oh, my goodness. And she now she's set free and she's going everywhere. And she gives her testimony wow. at my seminar, too.
1: That's amazing. And this is the the truth of the freedom that is in Christ, because, you know, as you talked about, Mom, this is um, we all have Problems we all have things that are, um, you know, specific to us that maybe we're more fearful of or concerned with, or you know, things that are um, that are unique to every person. Um, but the truth doesn't change, and if every person accepts and recognizes objective truth of the Bible and who God is, and then what that means for us and our lives and the purpose of our lives that gives us hope that gives us um, an understanding of why we're here, what we're doing and um, and gives us purpose in life as well and and sets us free from all of the lies of the world and all of this hopelessness of just saying, well, you know, you were born this way and you can't ever change or, um, you know, well, you're going to have to be on all of these different medications and maybe it'll help you. But really, you know, too bad for you. And you just have to keep coming in and talking about your problems rather than finding solutions. And um, and that's where, you know, the Bible, a lot of people think that the Bible is either just, um, you know, a, a list of a bunch of fortune cookie type of proverbs. Right. Because we all see the memes on social media of just Bible verses taken out of context that don't have the full truth or it's just a way to be saved. And then they don't they don't pay attention to the rest of it. It's just a bunch of, you know, little stories. But um, but but explain what the, the Bible is, the whole narrative of uh, of history, of the truth of reality. And because um, because of that truth, I mean, the Bible reveals how we are to live rightly.
2: Yes. Yeah, so that's that's great. That's a great thing that you just said, because so many churches, they do focus on salvation which is good go into all the world and preach the gospel yes the great commission yes evangelize the world that's the starting place and that's and but that's not the end we are saved unto good works we are saved to be transformed into the image of jesus christ how do we do that if if we are believing the lies of the secular world who who do not have the holy spirit within the bible as a guidebook prayer to get in touch with our heavenly father um, and the fellowship of the saints. Mm -hmm. There's so much that's available to a Christian that the um, psychological world does not have at their disposal. Mm -hmm. So they are trying to fix people. I say that in quotes, but, you know, they're trying to solve problems without those wonderful things that God has given to his children. Mm -hmm. So with the with the understanding of who God is comes you know his word is inerrant his word has told us who we are yes we are depraved sinners but now we're saved by his grace and now he is going to transform us and that's not just a meme Mm -hmm. that's real like that's what's lost in our culture is that christians can change we can go from an immature worldly person immature in the faith i mean to a mature believer who understands what god has told us and who he is and who we are mm-hmm. and how to move past the difficulties are i tell my counselors, you know your little boat is shaking right now mm-hmm. i know this is a difficult situation <laughs> On the
1: ocean of all yes. the problems of the world
2: your little boat is shaking and the waves are hitting and everything but you have an anchor that holds and you will not capsize you're mm-hmm. going to get to the other side and We just have to take the next step Mm -hmm. and the next step and the next Mm -hmm. step. And just having somebody say, you don't have to be overwhelmed by this Mm -hmm. is shocking.
1: Because that's that's so different than what um, psychology will say, because uh, we live in a world where even Christians think that we can't ever acknowledge that people have problems. We can't ever say. That's a wrong action. We just have to affirm everyone's life choices and we just have to put, you know, the um, the fish sticker on the back of our car and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't then take everything that comes along with believing in Jesus. And so Christian psychologists in some ways are are um, handicapping themselves and their ability to to help other believers because they're unwilling to use the full truth of the Bible because they are taking this whole victim culture. They're taking um, the drugs of the world that aren't necessary for these problems. They're taking um, the, the worldview of the world and they're trying to apply that and work within kind of the woke mentality of just saying, well, I just need to affirm it. How do you feel about yourself? Rather than saying, this is the truth and this is what you need to recognize as truth. And um, so we're talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a biblical counselor. You've been uh, counseling for over 20 years, mom. And I really appreciate you joining me. We're going to take a quick break here on Just the Truth Podcast, and we'll be right back.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
1: Welcome back to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a biblical counselor, and she is explaining uh, the truth of psychology and how that differs from biblical counseling and the fundamental worldview difference between starting with a perspective of psychology and the world and a secular perspective that isn't rooted in recognition of God, our creator, versus starting with the recognition of truth and the Bible and working our way from there to address the sin problem that all man has. And so, um, Mom, one of the questions um, I'm sure that Uh, that people ask you all the time is saying, well, okay, you know, maybe I have some problems, but I'm generally a good person, so I'm not really that depraved. I mean, look at me compared to, you know, X, Y, Z person over there. So, um, you know, I don't really need biblical counseling, right, because I'm generally a good person. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, if they say that, they don't know the fundamentals of their faith because the Christian faith, any orthodox Christian doctrinal system or theological system holds to the fact that we have all been declared guilty in Adam because he sinned. We, all humans subsequent to Adam, are declared guilty. And further, that we have inherited a sin nature from Adam. So depravity doesn't mean that we are all as bad as we could be. I mean, I can think of ways that I could be worse than I am. In every way
1: that we choose good things, yes, you know yes. we're all like, like the Bible says, you know, you wouldn't if your a child asks you for bread, you wouldn't hand them a snake, you know. We mm-hmm. do, we have, um, we instinctually know that we want to take care of our own families and you know things yes. like that. Yeah.
2: We're not all as bad as we can be mm-hmm. or could be, but we are all depraved in every area of our of our humanity. So the physical aspect, our bodies are getting older. They age, they break get, down, they break down and everything. That's as a result of the fall. And every aspect of our inward man is, has problems because that we are all been touched by, because we have a sin nature, all the aspect within. So somebody who says, I'm not depraved. They, they're either just theologically, um, uh, they don't understand that that's that denies a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. They could be saying, "I'm not as bad as I could be," and I would agree with that. And I would tell them, "We know that. We're not saying that everybody is mm-hmm. as depraved. Bad as they could doesn't be.
1: mean you know you deserve to be in solitary confinement, in prison for the rest of your right, life. Right? Yeah.
2: Right. We're not saying that. But every single one of us is it uh, as believers. If we're once we're born again, we are in the process of Um, becoming holier than we were. So every day we just grow in Christ. That's what the Christian life is.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so for someone who is saying is maybe listening to this and thinking, um, I really want to start in biblical counseling because it sounds hopeful instead of um, you know just this this nature versus nurture sort of thing. And I I come from a you know a line of either an alcoholic family or you know, or whatever they're they're dealing with or anxiety as you've talked about or some of these other things. And you know maybe they've been on depression medication or anxiety or whatever, um, what would be their first step in saying, I want to um, either, well, first, you know, for someone listening to this who isn't a Christian, who's saying this sounds more hopeful, um, because that's really the first step, right, is to say you have to first um, become a Christian and then understand what biblical counseling then um, helps you grow into. Absolutely.
2: So biblical counselors, what we um, hold as the doctrines of our faith and the principles of Scripture and how God works in our lives is for believers. Mm-hmm. So a, per, a non-believer coming to a biblical counselor, they say, I'm not a Christian, but what, are, what do you have for me? We don't just have tools or three steps to this or whatever. It has to be, you have to be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the truths of Scripture apply specifically to you. We are then a child of God. Mm-hmm. And he listens to our prayers. He listens to every single one of them. He doesn't promise to listen to prayers of people mm-hmm. who are not believers. In his mercy and grace, he does listen to non-believers' prayers, but there's no promise there. So mm-hmm. a lot of the promises and the just the whole dynamic of transformation is only for believers
1: because we so, also have to have um the Holy Spirit in us who enables us to good works, and we have yes. a renewing of. Um, and a regenerate heart, and all of those things that we can then pursue holiness through the, the Holy Spirit and that transformative work rather than trying and failing to do it in just, and of ourselves. Yeah,
2: picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and <laughs> yeah. just trying really hard. You know, New Year's resolution every day of the year. And but, everybody
1: knows how well that works. Yes, so that lasts for five minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so that's, that is the first step. Although a, a biblical counselor will be willing to talk to a non believer and share the gospel and explain, you know, what the difference is if they, um, between their psychological counseling that I've had in the past. Uh, and, but if you are, so that's the first step if you're not a believer, but if you are a believer, the first step is to get in touch with a true biblical counselor, because my, I'm very, um, jealous i guess of that term because so many people think if you use a bible verse you're actually giving biblical counsel but it's actually psychological theory with a bible verse i cannot tell you how many counselees have received very bad counsel from their pastor even Mm -hmm. because their pastors have gone to seminaries and they've gotten their counseling classes from a psychological point of view and they are giving their counsel to their people Um, based on psychological theory rather Rather than than what the Bible says. Things, even such things, what's very pervasive in our culture now is this whole idea about where homosexuality comes from, Mm -hmm. you know, and whether it's just you're born with it and that's who you are, but... You know, and pastors have different views and it's all, you know, from psychological theory rather than standing on what God's word says about that. So Mm -hmm. um, to get in touch with a true biblical counselor, you really have to do your research. Mm -hmm. You People say they are, but they aren't. So a true biblical counselor who's been trained in just using the principles of scripture and applying it to people's lives, um, they will have gotten a degree from a... um, University that holds to the sufficiency of Scripture, not they they wouldn't have any classes in psychology for the purpose of, you know, helping you in your counseling maybe for mm-hmm. the purpose of contrasting Scripture to psychology, but, um, but and they then won't be using
1: those those tools as a way of um, of incorporating of or the right. integration theory we right. talked about.
2: They will also not be licensed because mm-hmm. any counselor that's licensed has to. Approach problems in the way that the state tells them to. Mm -hmm. So that's why biblical counselors will not be licensed, just like pastors aren't licensed by the state. I was
1: just going to say, and that should tell people because we all know that the state. Uh, Right now, and especially with the um, LGBT agenda, with, you know, so many other problems, if you're a conservative listening to this and you're not even a Christian, that should be a huge signal about what the truth actually is, because if you have to be licensed as a psychologist and give up the truth uh, basically in order for the state to allow you to counsel, um, then it's the same reason why the state is not the head of the church and the state doesn't have to agree with or license a pastor to teach. And imagine if we said, oh, our pastors have to be uh, licensed or approved by the state. No one would think that that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so why are we doing that for um, the counseling aspects of pursuing righteousness and dealing with our life problems that pastors, frankly, should really. Be equipped to. I mean, I know so many pastors who would say, well, I'm not a professional uh, counselor, and so I can't, you know, they, they just, they'll they'll teach on Sundays, but then they won't actually counsel anyone because they say, oh, you have to go to a professional, as if it's a it's a medical doctor condition rather than saying this deals with a heart issue, and there's a separation there. There's a difference between being, having a physical medical problem versus a heart issue, mm-hmm. and pastors are really failing in this area because they are not taking the truth of scripture, and they're not. Um, doing in-depth study and understanding how to counsel and and genuinely be a pastor themselves. Um, So so where do people, where would people go or where's a good starting place to find a genuine biblical counselor?
2: Well, there's two certifying organizations. One is ACBC, um, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. You can find them online. And then there's IABC, International Association of Biblical Counselors. Um, and you can find them online also. And they have a list of
1: certified counselors. And they're- certified doesn't mean by the state, just for people. Right. It means within the internal organization, they're saying, you know, it's, it's like being ordained, basically, mm-hmm. within a certain denomination or something to say, you know, these are people yes. that we that have gone through the appropriate training. It has nothing to do with the state.
2: Yes. And then even within those certifying organizations, there are different counselors who have more experience, or who have more training? Like, you know, they they have gone and they have a degree in biblical counseling at a at a university that is actually teaching biblical counseling versus just, um, you know, the certifying training. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, every counselor has a personality. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, it depends. Do you wanna, if you are. Um, having difficulties with your children, you might not want a twenty something certified counselor who's never had children to you know to mm-hmm. understand some of the dynamics there or whatever but so you you could pick your counselor within those organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, But But it's the
1: same thing, you know, like when um, when I was primarily in full time uh, practicing law, I obviously still do practice law. But um, but when I was practicing, um, I would always tell prospective clients that came in, um, you know, you have to trust and be comfortable with your attorney and and have um, within You know, anyone that you could hire who may be competent to handle your case, you may um, you have to like and work well with that individual. And that may or may not be me. And that's fine. You know, so so those types of things of just um, getting along with that person or, um, you know, for whatever reason, your personality, the way that they describe things might be different. Um, So that's that's definitely always something to consider. Yes,
2: because the biblical principles would still be the same. Right. But it's the it's the understanding of those biblical principles or the experience or the the -hmm. personality and the whatever Mm -hmm. you know the just the different dynamics between
1: two people and just like the way that you explain things um is very is different than maybe how someone else would explain it and i think you're very clear compared to a lot of people and so you know that just may be a a preference of someone coming to you as a counselor, just the way and the way that you um, can analogize things um, really easily, you know, some, just some of those things can be different. Or if they prefer a male versus a female, um, you know, that kind of thing as well, especially when, you know, you get into marriage counseling, some of those Mm -hmm. things.
2: Yes. And so I said that to caveat the fact that if you try one biblical counselor, you've never, somebody has never heard of biblical counseling and they try that and it, and it just isn't, a good fit. A good fit. Don't, don't say, well, then biblical counseling doesn't work because there are difference, differences. Mm-hmm. So keep, you know, keep looking for one that is someone that you really can trust and you feel comfortable with and you can talk with and, um, it, and that counselor is competent in mm-hmm. helping you with and addressing the issue that
1: you need addressed. So so um, so we're talking with Valerie Ellis, my mom, um, who is a biblical counselor herself. And we're talking about the truth of psychology and the difference between psychology versus biblical counseling. We're going to take one more uh, quick short break here on Just the Truth podcast, and we'll be right back with more uh, with Valerie Ellis, my mom. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and I'm talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, who is a biblical counselor. And we're talking about the truth of psychology and how psychology is actually a secular false worldview uh, premise and does not view the world and humanity and life issues and our um, human problems that we all deal with from a truth based perspective, does not recognize the truth of scripture as uh, we are all human beings made in the image of God. God and the truth of the reality to which God's presented us. And so we have to start first with recognizing truth, recognizing uh, the biblical worldview that is provided in the sufficiency and the inerrancy of scripture, and then deal with and address our own human life problems from that truth-based perspective. So um, Mom, we've been talking about the difference between um biblical counseling versus psychology and even this so-called Christian psychology. Um so let's talk about the the different diagnoses of psychology and how um psychology differs from biblical counseling. So things like bipolar or anxiety or depression, um, those things would be a diagnosis from a uh secular even Quote unquote Christian psychology perspective, what would be a diagnosis from a biblical perspective?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, biblical counselors don't do diagnoses. Um, But so we wouldn't, we would take that term and frame it in biblical terms. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, for example, um, someone who is addicted, they have addictions, we would hold to Romans chapter six, which talks about we can become enslaved. Mm. Okay. To certain behavior patterns um i use the word addiction only when there is a physical component which a lot of times there is you're enslaved to alcohol but there's also an addiction your body can't get off of that without medical help mm-hmm. okay so there are true bodily addictions that you need medical help for sure the re- a lot of these diagnoses i believe are just um names for patterns of behavior they just, so, a bipolar person has highs and lows, emotional highs, emotional lows, and they may have their manic phase doing a specific type of behavior to get them out of their depressed stage, you know. Um, but obviously, this is very um, general because mm-hmm. everybody who comes in, they have that lady that I talked to a few months ago who had been in psychotherapy for 30 years. Over the course of different moving around and different getting different psychologists they gave her like seven different diagnoses it was Mm -hmm. not even the same one among psychologists among the psychologists because all it is is a as a way to understand a label to put on someone's behavior Mm -hmm. and so a biblical counselor will get to the heart of the matter below that we believe behavior flows from our heart just that's exactly what jesus told us out Mm -hmm. of the heart of man come all these things Mm -hmm. so a child who's been um diagnosed with add or adhd that may not have anything physical to do they put them on a drug but there it could be i think both of my sons would have been diagnosed with (laughs) add because boys are you know, rambunctious, boys are rambunctious. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and a lot of conservatives are talking about that, how, you know, the riddle in generation and stuff, we just, that schools weren't equipped to deal with just regular boy behavior. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that isn't even necessarily wrong either. You know, it's like, why are we trying to solve a problem that isn't even there? Yes. And so there's a wide range of that, how
2: Mm -hmm. misbehaving the child actually is, or, um, whatever, but a lot of times that drug, Ritalin, is overprescribed just mm-hmm. for the sake and the benefit of the parents or the teachers to not have to deal with the activity of the child. Um, so we would, that that's, and you, a biblical counselor would look at the entire family, what's going on in the entire family and help parents to... Um, learn how to apply God's principles for parenting to that child. And I, I tell parents all the time, you know what, um, we apply the principles in good faith. We know we can't, it's not up to us. We can't do everything. God has to also work in our child's life Mm -hmm. to for him to come to the lord himself and be self-controlled that's a fruit of the holy spirit so but we're responsible to do what god has told us Mm -hmm. so adhd then bipolar like i said it's highs and lows there's anxiety this is not something that you have it's a way of thinking Mm -hmm. that brings you to the point of debilitating um fears I think you mentioned it earlier and I think what you're talking about is every single person has certain things we may be afraid to do I don't mm-hmm. want to go skydiving anytime <laughs> right soon.
1: well we all have risk analyses yes where we go you know what that's probably that's, an inherently I don't dangerous want to do activity that. I'm not going to put myself yes. out there but it's also choosing to not skydive doesn't doesn't actually, you know, diminish my quality of life or my ability to worship the Lord or, you know, any of those things. I'm just choosing not to participate in that activity for myself as a decision. That's not debilitating anxiety. Right.
2: And it's not anxiety that keeps me from doing what God wants me to do. I don't have to skydive in order to obey the Lord. Right. That I know of right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, so, but if I, like if my counselee that I was talking about who had, um, she couldn't go within a five, outside of a five mile Mm -hmm. radius she was not living her life as god wanted her to so we seek to to get to that place Mm -hmm. it's okay if we don't want to do certain things fine you don't want to do that that's that's not disobeying god by not doing that right so that's you know so anxiety for a variety of reasons whatever you're afraid of we Mm -hmm. talk about is this really something that is this concerning Mm -hmm. um in and the how, shooting that happened in Boulder, and now we're going to say no. Now we can't go to any King Superstore. Ever. That that's right. not a that's not a,
1: and that's not a, a logical, rational correlation to say okay. We we now need to be live our life in fear, mm-hmm. um, or some or or just anxiety in a sense of um, looking at the world truthfully. Because obviously, um, you know, tomorrow isn't promised for anyone. There are things that are um, that. You know we there's always the the chance and the opportunity that we're going to get hurt or have you know other problems that come because we live in a sin-filled world but um but being anxious in the sense of you're so concerned to do anything is not looking truthfully at the world and you're you're more focused on your inner feelings than you are about recognizing truth yes
2: Yes, yeah, so we have to analyze each situation. And Same thing with depression. People will say, I've been diagnosed with depression. What if uh, they just lost their mother or their mm-hmm. child or, you know, a good friend or whatever? That That is grief, and that is not something that we seek to say you can't feel like that or you shouldn't feel like that. Here's a drug. This is a human experience is to go through difficult things and be sad. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you. The Bible says to grieve. grieve. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have something wrong with you. Same thing as PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, post-traumatic stress disorder, People have been through very, very scary, difficult things. Mm-hmm. And I go, this isn't a disorder. This is, a, this is the human experience that you would be a little bit cautious. I, people who come back from war, when they hear a bang, they immediately, you know, that is, that is something that God has put within us. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is wrong with you, right. but we don't want that to overwhelm you and overtake you so that even coming back from war, you can't do what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. That's the difference for the Christian life. We say, yes, that was really horrible Mm -hmm. what i experienced and now what does god want me to do now
1: yeah or I, i could think of someone um or another circumstance like um you know women who have been victims of sexual assault for example then they are so traumatized by that and take that victim mentality into the rest of their lives so they then never have a um a Christ-centered and truth-centered perspective on marriage and sexuality because they take that victim status into their marriage or their future relationships and they treat their husbands or um, you know or even through their dating experiences in light of their past trauma and victimization instead of saying, okay, what is the truth about that situation? And how do I now follow God and do the right thing in, in having a healthy Christ filled marriage in spite of the sin that I've experienced. Yes, absolutely.
2: The counselor that I spoke about earlier, um, who had been sexually abused by her father her entire childhood, her counselors, her psychologists told her to ramp up her anger as much as she could like they wanted her to feel angry and to be angry because they said anger is power whoa and so in order for you to now feel powerful because you had felt like such a victim you were a victim right you know but now you need to get angry
1: and use your anger so that you don't
2: feel like a victim
1: well and so that's just substituting one one Truth that she was a victim, but one false emotion for another false emotion, because the goal shouldn't be power or to feel a certain way. The goal is should should be to think truthfully and act based on truth and have your emotions align with truth.
2: What is what does God's word say about me as a believer living in this world where sin can happen to me. Other people can sin against me in very grievous ways. Mm -hmm. What does it say about why does God allow that? And how does he want to use that in my life? And where do I go from this point forward? And how can I learn to glorify God in my life now that that has happened? What is God seeking to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and to use me for his glory in, because that, situation. Not that God wanted it to happen, but he allowed Very it sense. to happen because there's going to be something good coming up. And her husband, that woman's husband comes up to me so many times and he, he'll just, he says, thank you. You saved my family. And I go, it wasn't, we all know it wasn't me, but he God. knows that, mm-hmm. but for the intervention of God's principles in that family's life, they would be divorced and on their way. And she'd mm-hmm. still be on the couch drooling with all her drugs,
1: wow! Except no for hope. God's word, yes.
2: Except for God's word being applied in the midst of that mm-hmm. difficult situation, so it's amazing when God's word is active and powerful, mm-hmm. sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is transformative.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's so. the hope that we have in Christ. And everything that you're explaining, Mom, is is um, the the contrast is instead of looking at ourselves and our problems and um, just being so overcome by all of our emotions and feelings and making it all about us. um, It's all about recognizing truth and applying biblical principles so we can um, do what God has for us, because, you know, the the lie of my generation and younger is um, live your best life, you know, make this about self-affirmation and self-help books and all this stuff. And it's all oriented toward yourself rather than saying, my life and purpose and the truth of reality is that we are here to glorify and worship God and to pursue him through the midst of any trial or any trauma or anything that comes our way, we can always respond biblically. And, you know, as you and I know, we've had um, different things in, in our lives. I've certainly had things that I've had to go through personally over the last few years in my life that your counsel to me has always been, what does god say about this and how can you respond biblically to these people or circumstances in your life um and not be overcome by feelings of it or, um, or the circumstance itself, but respond biblically. And that's how, you know, I've had so many people say, how are, how are you so happy in the midst of like all of this stuff and this political crazy and everything else going on? And it's because we have joy in the Lord. And if we continue just to respond biblically, that's when we have hope and joy. Absolutely. And, it's and great. you know,
2: you mentioned how pastors are failing in this, um, they're, they're, they're failing, to teach the word as it actually is they are making every single message about ourselves Mm -hmm. they see ourselves so last wednesday night ladies bible study we were teaching we're starting in the gospels and we were teaching about john the baptist and i went through the passage where the gabriel came and told zacharias you're going to have children or whatever Mm -hmm. you know that's something that god is doing it's not and i thought while i was preparing that study I thought how would a if I wanted to make this about the ladies what would I do I would go off on the joy of of having a baby and how you feel when you know Mm -hmm. all the birth announcement comes and all about you and look you know you can can't you really identify with Elizabeth and everything (laughs) it's like Okay, That's not what that that, was about. That passage is about this amazing thing. The Messiah is coming. He's sending the forerunner in fulfillment of the prophecy in Malachi. And, you know, there's just so much there about who God is Mm -hmm. and what his redemptive plan is over the ages. That if you talk about just this is a birth announcement that's awesome. You just so diminish the word of God Mm -hmm. and the pastors are doing that. They're making every single message about us instead of every single message about what God is doing Mm
1: -hmm. and that God is truth. And so when we look at the whole of scripture, it's about the truth of who God is and how we can be um, more conformed to his image rather than just affirming ourselves and our sin. And, um,
2: well, you know, when Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, which is self-denial and follow me. It's now, if any man come after me, you know, look for your best life now and how Mm -hmm. God's three steps to financial freedom and four (laughs) steps to happiness and five steps so you can be an awesome person. And,
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: it's, it's, um minimizing what scripture actually is. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's minimizing the, the wonderful joy that we can have as Christians and live in hope and peace and joy, regardless of what is happening Mm -hmm. around us. And that's why mom, it was so important to have this conversation today. And we'll have to do um, more podcasts on this topic because there's so much that you teach and so much that um, you've taught me through, through the years of, um, the truth of scripture and, um, and in having this conversation about the truth of psychology versus the truth of biblical counseling, I hope that um, everyone who's who's uh, listening to this discussion, um, I'm really grateful that you're listening to this and that you're wanting to know the truth about these concepts and about um, the biblical worldview as the foundation to everything that we understand. Because then, you know, we've talked about how the fundamental biblical worldview is all about. Um, starting from truth and then working our way up from there and that God's word and the truth of reality informs us how we should think on every topic. And that's not just politics and economics and philosophy and all this, but it's also on counseling and family matters and parenting and, um, you know, all of these things that we deal with within the home and within our personal life. So, um, mom, thanks so much for joining me today and talking about the truth of biblical counseling. You're welcome.
2: And, and, i'm not joining you you're joining me because she's home <laughs> yes jenna's joining me
1: today yes so. very excited to be home mom and i love um visiting yes. home it's yes it's the best it is it's great my little birdie flew home yeah i love it <laughs> all right love you mom all right love well, you too and uh, i hope that you will join us tomorrow for more of just the truth